be thankful. Dear Lord, we're thankful for this morning and for the time in your word. Beautiful day, beginning of summer, and we're grateful for the, uh, the company of each other and your son, uh, the love we have. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We're in 2 Corinthians 8. Now, I generally share the process. I had no idea what I was going to preach on. Valerie asked me at dinner last night, ah, what do you, would you prepare all week? She's such an innocent. No, Sunday morning. Or do you just work all day Saturday on it? Well, I didn't know when I got up, went and got my coffee that Leslie had made and staggered into the library, opened my Bible and said, what in the world am I going to speak on? I don't know why my, my God, my book to what I've preached on was open and there it was staring at 2 Corinthians, there was this blank spot. Second uh, Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 9, not a single entry. I said, well, what was I avoiding there? Because I was clearly avoiding something. So I went and looked at it, and it's on giving. Okay, so you understand, you say, oh yeah, I understand. The church is never about giving, we don't pass the plate. We occasionally remind you, we want to make sure that everything is done with integrity and well. But here is this, I said, well, what about this? What if this passage has something else in it? You know, besides a great sermon for a pastor who's hungry for money. I found it. So this is going to be a sermon where a pastor demonstrates how he can walk through the shadow of death, called a, a tithing message, and not be touched by tithing. Okay? Watch me. See if I can, see if I can do this. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll mention it, but it won't be that, you know, that sense of, uh, he's putting the screws to me right now. Now, you have to know some of the background here in Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Um, First Corinthians, you, you, if you read it, it's just some great passages. Paul is beginning to feel the disarray in Corinth. Largely his ministry, largely his establishment, other teachers have served the church in Corinth, and he has been hearing unthinkable things about the moral decay in some people, or various other things. He writes in 1 Corinthians. You've read it. You've enjoyed it. Got worse after that. He wrote them unknown Corinthians. We've lost it. Some people say, good riddance to bad rubbish. Some people say, boy, probably a little bit seamy, because he refers to that as the, the harsh letter. Where he really, I guess, reads them the riot act, I mean, really lays into them, and we don't know other than the references to it in 2 Corinthians, which is really 4 Corinthians, because there was one before, as far as we can tell, 1 Corinthians. So we have 2 and 4. Well, it seems that he had sent Titus with this letter, this harsh letter, it seems. And then he was waiting for Titus to get back, because there's no phones. And Titus had to go there, minister this message to them, 
see what happened, come back to Paul, tell Paul how it went, and so now he is sending Titus again with this letter, um, thrilled that they repented. Just he's comforted in their repentance. I mean, there's still some awkwardness. And I have a section of 2 Corinthians 7 speaking a bit about this uh, journey of Titus's, because I wanted to read that to you first. For even when we came into Macedonia, now, if you don't have Greece in your mental maps, uh, okay, here's the Peloponnese, that's where Sparta is, um, Argos, and this is, I think there's only three of those, three, and um, right here at the top of the Peloponnese, it goes into mainland Greece, okay? This is mainland Attica, never mind. There's a gulf that comes along called the Gulf of Corinth that separates the Peloponnese from mainland Greece. And uh, Corinth is right there on the um, uh, western end of the isthmus of Corinth, okay? So there's a little thread of land uh, between Athens and Sparta. And uh, Macedonia is way up north from there. Macedonia is where Alexander the Great was from, and, and it was a, a little bit more primitive uh, than mainland Greece. But it's where Thessalonia is, it's where Pella is, it's uh, Philippi. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. For even if I had made you sorry with my letter, I did not, do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves guiltless in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your zeal for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. Besides, and besides, our own comfort has been... We, uh, besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his mind was, has been set at rest by you all. For if I have expressed to him some pride in you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of you all, and the fear and trembling with which you received him. I rejoice, because I have perfect confidence in you. That precedes, that lets you know some of the ins and outs of the personal relationship going on between Paul and the Corinthians. We don't know what the sin was. Uh, we suspect it might have had to do with that young man living with his stepmother in sin. 
<laughs> um, but that preceded that preceded the uh, uh, the events of First uh, Corinthians eight, which I've avoided for years, because this is how it begins. We want you to know, brethren, about the grace of God which has been shown in the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of liberality on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Uh, you could just imagine the soaring heart of the average pastor. how easily you could turn this into of your own free will. Good Christians will beg the church to empty their wallets. Here, pastor, let me just open my wallet, reach in. I'll shut my eyes. You just grab what you need. Go around grabbing people's wallets, credit cards. Just, that's what the church should be like. And that's what the pastor wants everybody to think that you got just sort of got to do. Because remember, one of the basic things, as Mark was reading out of Galatians today, one of the basic problems in the Christian church today is the belief that your ethical frame comes from a rule that is set up, whether it's a Mosaic rule or a New Testament Bible uh, rule. So you create a set of rules. Oh, you, you kind of got to give by free will. That's why they call it a free will offering. And you um, have to beg the church to be allowed to give Other people are pointed out to you. The Macedonians, boy, they really ruined it for everybody. Something like breaking the curve in the class, you know. The Macedonians, they're up there being all free willy and being all earnest. Look at that word. Earnestly. What kind of people are that? I was, that, and I was in Costco, uh, which is both an abomination and a gift. And... Uh, one of the abominable things about Costco is how obvious the trend shifts are. But there was one in, in the hot cereal section, they actually called the food earnest. Oh, are you? Are you living in community too? How earnest are you? Well, these guys were earnest. This is before it was trendy to be earnest. Begging, can we please give? I'm going to make it harder for you to get. Okay? Brian's going, ah, uh, Evan. It's already really hard. Now, some of you are, 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 are give to the church without a problem, and others have given elsewhere, but I want you to even, I want you to re-examine who you are in giving. So that what the Lord wants out of this, what the Lord wants out of the Corinthians, and with the Lord gained from the Macedonians, he will get out of you. Because I want to see, I said, how do I read through this where I don't see a ministry's own base interest in somebody else's money? Because ministries, frankly, are like welfare. Except we, we can't, you know, we don't have guns to force you to pay taxes. But the, the, the ministry money is entirely the charity, the goodness, the giving of other people. 
And so, so much of the work of a ministry is trying to get you to give so that the ministry can keep going. I remember reading World Vision's budget many years ago, over decades ago. World Vision, um, a major charitable, and they'd probably do very good work, but they were spending millions, like 11 million at that time, and this was on fundraising. 11 million dollars on fundraising. And that was a small portion of their budget, but it was 11 million dollars. I could use 11 million dollars without fundraising. Just give me the 11 million. I won't bother you anymore. What I want you to think about that in every way we want the Christianity that you get taught and that you have opportunity to live is close to what the Lord wants, is what the apostles taught, not the, the awkward, and it's not always evil, it's just annoying. You know how when you bring a guest to church, it's tithing Sunday. You bring the guest to church. and they, I learned that growing up at a Baptist church, and every time a guest was brought, the pastor seemed to be on Malachi and bring your tithes into the storehouse, you know, blah. And the person is feeling like, what do they do? Just shake you down for money all the time? But we know that something about the Macedonians, and that's why I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm laboring to stay away. I'm going to labor to keep the church's hands off your wallet until what happens in you really does produce not an artificial free will, not an artificial begging, but that you really, like the Macedonians, have the ability to not care about those things and, and your heart driving whatever happens. Not the pulpit driving, not all the, the, the trendy causes that are out there for churches to give to is happening, but really this. Now look what it says next. They were taking part in the relief of the saints. That was, uh, there was need in Judea, and they were, the, the apostles were collecting a gift to take to Judea. But look at look what it says in the verse. Begging us earnestly, verse 4, for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this, not as we expected, but first, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us. I'm not even going to take the opportunity to say, you've got to give yourself to the Lord and to the work of all souls Christian. That's the us. I, I don't get to transfer the us from 2,000 years ago into me today. It's the Apostle Paul and his ministry. I, it, let's just, for the sake of application, let's remove it from any gain that all souls Christian is going to get. It is first you give yourself to the Lord and to the apostolic ministry. That's the beginning. That's the first. Without having been given that, I don't know where you are personally. But if you find yourself someday in a church where you're just feeling fed like nobody's business, that the Lord is really 
Got some, you're learning some things in your own reading, in the fellowship of the believers, of the teaching, whatever it is. And you're, you're I remember when I, when I went through a shift in my uh, young adult life of eager to be with the saints and eager to hear the teaching of the word. It shifts the bedrock of, of you have been giving, you start giving yourself to those moments. You start seeking out the saints. You start seeking out, not social moments, you start seeking out times of fellowship where the conversation is on things of God. Not that you just get to check off, I had fellowship because the, the game of, what, is it, what do gamers play these days, board games? What sort of nonsense are you involved in? Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan. Say you get together with some Christians to play Settlers. That's not fellowship. That's playing Settlers of Catan. Okay? Fellowship is, a, is, is not just you being able to say, well, I wasn't with unbelievers, though so-and-so acted like one when he lost. <laughs> I won't say who so-and-so was. Now, When you give yourself to the Lord, when you've found some place where you know you, these friends want to talk of the things of God, they want to talk of the things, because giving yourself to the Lord is not merely checking off a box, not merely saying, I have been to church. I was thinking about it beforehand out on the porch as I waited for people to show up. And uh, I realized how much People come to church waiting. It's almost like the money leaves their hand. They give, they give whatever the church requires. It's like payment for it. It's like cover charge. Um, and then they sit in the pew. And as long as they sit in the pew for the whole duration, they get whatever magic blessing that particular church offers. You pay the price. That's the price of attendance and the price for the magic. Okay? Okay? You know, you get to picture all sorts of churches where people feel that they just have to be there long enough to have said, I went to church today. Just being able to say that, you have grace upon you, right? Now, if you give yourself to the Lord and to the apostolic ministry, if you give yourself to that, it is not you waiting to be given to. The fact that you sit in the pew and gave your money waiting for the gift of the church. The church is not here to grace you. The church, the, the church has no power to do that. Only God can grace you. His holy apostles can grace you. Not me. Not the pews. Not the service. Then he says in 6, accordingly we have urged Titus that as he had already made a beginning, he should also complete among you this gracious work. Okay? So what Evan found in this passage was there was something that came first, something that had been the beginning, which refers back to Titus having accomplished it, which was why I put 2 Corinthians 7 here. He brought to them the message of Paul and found in them a reaction to this correction that produced a repentance, a godly grief, not a worldly grief, not a manipulative grief, not a, you know, here's babies in Sudan. Ah, give money! 
We can, we can have all sorts of things that can manipulate people. But real grief for not pursuing God as they ought to have. Without real grief for not having pursued Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, as they ought. They were having this, this knockdown drag out of Paul. Now, this is not for you to apply about your knockdown drag out with me. It's your knockdown drag out with Paul. It's still Paul. He's still the apostle. I'm not an apostle. I only, only have authority insofar as I'm faithful to what the apostle says, but it's good for you to look at the apostle. And are you put back in right relationship with St. Paul? Or St. Peter? Or St. James? I don't care. Pick a saint. Whatever, whoever wrote something that you still have, what's your, what's your heart? I'm thinking of a passage in 1 John. I think I can find it. It's where um, where St. John says in John 4, 1 John 4, we are of God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And he who is not of God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The us is he himself as an apostle. Do you have that relationship? Have you pursued God? Are you here because you want to know and you want to know more? And in your conversations with other believers, it keeps coming up because you want to know. You're giving yourself to them. That is the beginning. So easy to create a church that keeps offering programs and services and graces to people if they just pay their entry fee. You join this group, you pay an annual due, and they give you programs for your teen children and programs for your you know, preschoolers and, and programs for your marriages that are going to pieces and programs for this, that, and the other, and you feel, I've been well served by this. No, you are the kind of person who needs to find the first thing in your life, a giving of yourself to the Lord, because that's what conversion was. You fell on your knees and you gave yourself to Jesus Christ. You said, I am serving you. You're not serving me. He graced you because of that. And you pursued him more. But it was those who seek find, right? What is faith? The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the seeking of God. So this beginning has to have happened. Paul's rejoicing in their willingness to take part in this financial gift, but he is thinking about what change has happened in them. And it keeps going. With Titus in verse 6, he made this beginning, why don't you let him complete it? The gift was going to be the completion, but the beginning, the giving themselves to God and the apostles, was first. And then he says in verse 7, Now, as you excel in everything, this is like a reminder from Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. It's a list. Paul's good at giving lists. And now, as you excel in everything, look at the list. In faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love for us, 
See that you also, that you excel in this gracious work also. He just broke down what that beginning was. He just broke down what that first was. He just broke down what that giving yourself to the Lord and to the apostles was. But take a look at that. These are big. I, I, I have over here on the side um, the, the, the various things that either the word used or the meaning of the word. In faith is pistis, pretty classic faith word. Logos for utterance. You've heard of that? Logos school. Logos. Logic. Speech. Utterance. Uh, communication. Knowledge. Gnosis. Where you get the word knowledge. Earnestness, which wouldn't be any benefit to give the Greek word there, so it's haste with haste, earnestness and diligence. It's this desire to hurry up and get down to it. And your love, agape. What a list of things that should come first. Titus' desire in going to Corinth was not to get people to become submissive givers, but to become people who love the Lord like this, in these categories, completely excellent in those categories. And then he says, see that you excel in this gracious work, keyword, also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Oh, I'm proving. And that's exactly what people think they're doing. They walk in to any church anywhere, or they sign the pledge cards. When I was growing up, you had to sign up with church and tell them how much you were going to give. There's a church in Pullman that requires you to turn into the church your tax records so that they can know if you're giving the 23.3% which they have figured out are all the requisite tithes in the law of Moses. A lot of mistakes in that. We're not, we're not trying to prove that we have the ability to pull out a wallet. We're not trying to prove that we have X amount of dollars uh, per annum that by the means of a quick equation on a calculator I can find out what 10% is or 23.3 you'd be thankful 23.3% is a lot we're looking for genuineness right we're not trying to the earnest of others earnestness of others the Macedonians or the others you get to show something, too, about the reality. We can't skip over the reality. What an awful place to go, where the saints gave money just to let the church be the church. Okay, make sure you get someone to vacuum the place. Make sure that you get a good staff. Make sure you got a copier. Oh, there's your money. You just be there with the doors open when I'm ready to come in and sit and be graced. No. Oh. Genuine, for you know 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. In this matter, you don't want to examine the motivations of our Lord, do you? His Lord just, you know, just get me out of here. Okay, I'll give my life. And in this matter, I give my advice. It is best for you now to complete what a year ago you began not only to do, but to desire. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Notice that he say he's, he's following along. The, the Macedonians had done it this way. Their liberality, their free will, their begging, can take the money, please. And he's beginning to see this in the Corinthians, that after he has sent this corrective, their hearts, okay, they were going to take part in this gift, but really they began to desire to do so, and that was a readiness. Go back to the list of readinesses in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in love. For if the readiness is there, look at that. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a man has, not according to what he has not. Now there's some passages here that's going to sound socialist, they're going to sound, I mean, they're going to, you know, really sound like, what kind of church would you be organizing? Look at this. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of equality, sounds like President Obama. Your abundance at the present time should supply their want, so that their abundance may supply your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered had much had nothing over, and he who gathered little had no lack. It sounds almost like Karl Marx, President Obama. And a lot of things, when you start seeing the description of Christian behavior regarding money, regarding helping the needy, helping the weak, it's so easy to spot the ethical thread in Christianity and then some sort of person with their knickers in a twist decide they're going to make your church have to do it. Or your nation, as a nation, have to do it. Well, you can't deny it's good to give. Everybody, while it's out. Well, well that's exactly what seems to happen. Everybody jumps over. What did it take Paul to make the Corinthians ready desire, eager like the Macedonians. They had to go through a godly grief that led to salvation with no regret. They had to become established in excellence in the first things. If the readiness is there, back in verse 12, it is acceptable. Because if the readiness is there, hearts of people, just like in Jerusalem we are covering the Pentecost uh, situation of people sharing their stuff, the killing of Ananias and Sapphira. If the readiness was there, 
There's a real thrill to the saints sharing. I mean, I, I, I have full confidence in you guys. I know if the apocalypse happened and we were all, uh, Andrew and I were planning which to grow out in the front lawn of the uh, church, whether it was going to be wheat or corn. He was a corn advocate. I said, corn is an abomination. Wheat, because you can make a lot of stuff with wheat. Well, the apocalypse, if it happens, and everything breaks down, and you're stuck in Moscow, and no gas trucks can bring gas for your Subaru, because that's all you drive, the saints are going to be nice to each other. I know that, because I know you people. I know what kind of people you are. Because the things in you have a readiness for that problem. You sleep in my living room. When you put the wood heat on in the winter. But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Wonderful thing about the scriptures. The goodness, the charity, the kindness is motivated by what condition the person is brought to. Not by the plans of some pastor or the plans of some ministry or the plans of some need that they repave the parking lot. It's because of who you are, what your free will, where you have been brought by your walk with the Lord. With him. We are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. We don't know who that was. Good guess it might be Apollos because he had ministered in Corinth before and he was gifted that way. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us in this gracious work which we are carrying on for the glory of the Lord and to show our goodwill. We intend that no one should blame us about this liberal gift which we are administering, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. Now, here's the thing. When, you're, when you find the path to readiness, when you find the path to this earnestness, this desire, this walk with the Lord, the way it's supposed to be, <laughs> you also have to be concerned with not only pleasing God. Paul's not just trying to please God. He's not just saying, well, you're also trying to watch out that people don't have this chagrin at the nature of a, a message or a behavior that seems to be <clears throat> icky, money-wise. He is going to great lengths so that the churches cannot fault his delivery of this gift to the churches in Judea. Because it's important what other people think. As far as you are able, you watch out for this. But in the sight of men, you want to see a church, small church like All Souls, or wherever you end up, whatever ministries you support, that you figure out and find a way to express your support so that it, that it looks like godliness expressed, yours. Not so that you figure out, how can I fake godliness so that I could express it by a gift? No, we're not, remember, we're not trying to be fake. We're not trying to pretend. We're not the Pharisee with the big wad of money dropping it in the, you know. We're hopefully the widow's might is what we're, what we're dealing with. But we want to be conscious of God and we want to be conscious of what people think.
You cannot purchase, what's that line that I like to use? Sincerity. Once you have that faked, you have it made. That's what, that's what a lot of people think they can purchase for 10%. I am a sincere member of the church because I give my 10%. It's your cover charge. 22, and with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters. Have you noticed how everybody's earnest in this passage? It's the importance of being earnest. <laughs> yeah, a literary joke there for the educated. Um, <clears throat> but who, here it is again, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you? As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker in your service, and as for our brethren, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. What does our giving prove? It's giving proof. And any giving is proof of something. It doesn't mean any giving is always proof of the good. It's not saying, ah, oh, see, I don't even have to worry about this readiness thing. I can just buy your sensation that I'm ready with a large gift. You have just proven something because the Pharisees proved something with their giving. And you prove something. The proof doesn't rest in whether or not you give. That's if the, if, if the proof, what's the uh, logical argument? Evidence for both is evidence for neither. Right? And if giving is proof of a Pharisee, or if giving is proof of a saint, what does giving have to do with it? Where's my proof in it? How I give I, I, is going to be, I need to, find, I need to find a proof, a way of proving it. It isn't in the giving. And it's so easy to think that the church is up to that, that we'll give you absolution. We will somehow grant you shorter time in purgatory if you pay for these indulgences or whatever else. Pax Buiscum. Kind of cool. What a great gig, huh? I can promise you better seating in heaven. Nicer lawn chairs. Whatever it is in heaven that you really want. You know, pet-friendly area in heaven. Some of you want to take your pets. I've heard that some people like their pets a lot. And what if I could guarantee you, because I see these things, uh, the areas of heaven which are allowed pets. Pay me money. So give proof. How are you going to do it? Because if you do it from the top down, if you do it from instruction by the church, it's like socialism, which confiscated from each according to their ability and given away to some, somebody else according to their need. Because an individual being nice is not a socialist. You're trying to prove that Jesus made you nice. You're trying to prove that Jesus made you loving. A church requiring it doesn't prove anybody's anything. So that's not where the proof is. And if 
because I leaned on the podium, because that was a, like a little casual moment, I just said, huh, he relates to us. And he got up close to the microphone, and he's talking about giving. Oh, this is all Sundays, I really got to love that box up. An eager pastor is not what you're trying to prove you've got. Finally, Evan's talking about giving. Well, it's kind of weird. He's giving a, he's, he's, he's trying to push us away from it. All these other motives that we could have. And, and, and you could build a second steeple if you really push this. Not with this size crowd, you couldn't buy a second steeple. Maybe a little model of a church with a second steeple. You eat your pastor. You're not trying to prove you have an eager pastor. You're not trying to prove you're a socialist. You're trying to prove you're nice. How am I going to do that? It's not worldly grief because that leads to death. You have found your way in repentance to the throne of grace and God himself has forgiven you for your sins. And you're thrilled. And the way you give proves that thrill, not proves that you have money that you're willing to relinquish. You have a choice, basically. When Christians give, it's going to prove something. And is it, does it prove you're pretending to be a good Christian, or does it prove that it matches you? And we're the kind of church that would really, we, we, we want, that's why we don't pass the plate, that's why we don't, you know, I, I heard, I don't know who told me this, maybe it was Mark, some church, who is it? Okay, I can't even think of a church, not here, not in this town. It's not passing the plate, it's not a bin at the back, it's right down and they have a section of the service where each family walks forward and puts money in front of the sight of everyone. Hads like them apples. Oh, and some people are just eager about that. They're ready. <laughs> My wad of ones. It looks so big. I choke a horse and it goes. Who keeps giving the water ones? That's Wilson. What are you pretending? Meet the Lord. Meet Him in the areas of your faith, your speech, that's what utterance is, the things you choose to know about, how earnest you are for this faith, and your love for the saints. If I've been laying that foundation, whenever a homeless guy or the, the church has a need or whatever it is there's no, there's no shaking anybody down the saints are good to each other that's, that's what they are so we don't have to think really that much about giving now Paul was making this arrangement for this big gift he was going from church to church picking it all up to take to Judea But he really wants the saints to have been restored to a certain way of being. Readiness, desire, begging freely. 
And all of those things, it would be a real shame for me to take those words and suggest somehow that if you gave now, we'd all think of you as that way. What an awful, awful, awful thing. If the readiness is there, don't find out if you're willing to give. Find out if you've grown in grace that the work of God, wherever you're supporting it, in missionaries, other ministries, wherever it is, is because of what God has done in you. And you know that this is no big deal. So, is that, does that qualify as not being, it was about giving, but it was sort of discouraging. Way to go, Evan. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're thankful for the good saints here. We're thankful for their good hearts and their grace, their growing. All different vantages, all different levels of pursuit, places of pursuit. Open yourself to them, Lord, to us all, so that we find ourselves in you being made ready for all the things that you care about. These, these tertiary things, the giving of the saints, physical needs, things like that, we would just express about what we have in you. It wouldn't become about that, but it would be about our salvation, our knowledge, our utterance, our earnestness. And our love, we're very grateful. In your son's name, amen.